0: I want you to be a part of Connect Groups. We are continuing our series, Rescue the Perishing, and we've talked about how important it is for us to reach people that have disconnected from God, faith, and the church. September is back to school month. It's also back to church month. And there are people who've walked away that while we do need to reach the unreached, and the under-reached, we also need to reach the de church or the deconstructed or the ex-evangelical, those who once knew the truth and have walked away. They're our responsibility as well. We're called, amen, to rescue the perishing. That's our responsibility. And sometimes it's hard to rescue people that don't want to be rescued. Sometimes they'll fight and it becomes a challenge. And that's certainly true in the area of deconstruction, ex-evangelicals who've walked away. There is a coming revival, I wanna be part of that. There is a coming apostasy, and I wanna fight against that. We're responsible for that. We've talked about doubt, and how doubt creates an environment for us that we feel like we can't talk about what is working against us. And this needs to be a place where we can talk about what our doubts are, but it's not a place where we wanna stay in our doubts. We wanna walk toward confidence, amen? Come on, is there anyone here this morning? We want to walk toward confidence, and confidence is not a blind faith. That's not what it is at all. It's built and rests upon um, evidence, experience, and the essence of God. We don't just blindly follow him. There are reasons that we follow him. And there's another reason why people walk away, and I'm not sure how this journey is going to go this morning, but we'll see where it takes us. I mean, I am planned, but we might, we might camp along the way a couple spots, and that's the issue of hypocrisy. Boy, that gets thrown a lot around a lot, doesn't it? Well, they're a hypocrite. I quit go how many have ever heard someone say, I used to go to church, but I won't go anymore because it's full of hypocrites. How many have ever heard that? Someone said if a hypocrite is standing between you and God, they're closer to God than you are. Just geometrics. They're closer to God than you are. And yet it's thrown around freely and really without any consequence or responsibility. I read about a man named Travis McElroy. Travis is an American podcaster, writer, and a comedian. And at one time was a Christ follower and was interviewed on a podcast called Good Christian Fun. And he tells why he's no longer a Christian. And I I want you to hear this and then we're going to talk about how we need to deal with this issue. He said at 13, he talked to a pastor about lust. The pastor gave him great advice, but later had an affair. Number two, Travis went to another minister with a question about spiritual assurance. What makes me right about Christianity and everyone else wrong, of every other religion wrong? And the response to the pastor was, it's not about right or wrong, it's about faith. And Travis says, well... I didn't have faith that he was right. Travis's mother was a church secretary, and he listed these as why he is no longer a Christ follower, these three reasons. She was diagnosed with cancer when Travis was a young adult. During her treatment, the church leadership tried to cut off her insurance, Because it cost them too much money. At that point, Travis realized he knew atheists who were kinder and gentler people than those he'd grown up with in church. Now Travis is an agnostic. We've all heard those stories. Well, two of us have. Let me try this again. This is the part where you respond. (laughs) We've all heard those stories, right? Somebody did something wrong, they're a hypocrite, and I'm no longer Christian. We need to work through that. Are hypocrites keeping people out of the kingdom of God? And if they are, what do we do about it? What's our responsibility? Because this isn't about justifying us, it's about rescuing the perishing. And how do we answer the charges of hypocrisy in the context of rescuing broken people that have walked away from God because one of you messed up? It just gets more direct if you just look at me like you have a blank stare in your face. First principle that I need us to wrestle with this morning is simply this. We are all broken. I'm going to say that again. We are all broken. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we all need a Savior, because we are all broken. Sometimes there's this debate that goes on about whether or not we're a sinner saved by grace. And we'll argue that, no, I'm not a sinner. I'm saved by grace. Well, let me just wrestle with that for a moment. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was not written as part of evangelism explosion. It was written by the apostle John to believers. He's saying to the church, he's not saying to the lost, if we sin, he's saying to the believers, if we confess our faults one to another, he talks about another place, that there is a way of redemption back for believers who make mistakes because we are all broken. And when you give your life to Jesus, it does not make all of your problems go away. It puts life on the inside of you so you can begin to deal with your problems and be sanctified, but it doesn't make them go away. We continue to fail from time to time. How many of you be willing to admit this morning that you have made a mistake of some sort after becoming a Christ follower? I mean, a moral mistake, a failure, a sin. You did something wrong. You're the reason people aren't going to heaven. By the world's judgment... Because we have all failed. So, what we have to understand is that the work of the Spirit in the church, and it's a teaching on sanctification we don't talk about a lot, but I want to talk to you about sanctification for a moment. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit to change you as a broken, fallen person into the image of Christ. And it's a twofold understanding. Sanctification is both instantaneous and progressive so here's why that matters when you give your life to jesus you are as holy and perfect and pure as you can ever be in the eyes of god because of jesus in your standing before god you are the righteousness of god in christ He sees you through the blood of Jesus. And there's not anything else that you can do to become more acceptable in the eyes of God. In that moment, you're covered by the blood. But the Bible also teaches us that in our state, in our standing before God, we're pure. But that purity then launches a work of the Spirit so that the way you live matches what he has declared. Sanctification is a work of growing and becoming more like Jesus. So I don't know if you'd say, when I got saved, I was perfect. I was just like Jesus. I'm the perfect example of who Jesus is. If you're saying that, you're delusional. I talked to a friend who was a minister who believed in complete sanctification, that there was a place where he'd be perfect and never sin, and we debated that. Is that possible for a believer to get to a place that they never struggle? And he said yes, and he'd experienced that, but I was at his house on moving day. And if that's what perfection looks like, I am, I've achieved more than that. If, if I talked to my wife the way I talked to his wife, I'd have to sleep that night with one eye open. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I'm a sinner saved by grace? No, I'm a saint in my... St- standing before God, but in my state, I'm still growing. I still have some brokenness. I still have some issues that need to be addressed. And until I get to heaven, I'm going to be on that journey of becoming more like Jesus. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had not arrived yet, but he was on a journey. How many are hearing me this morning? So between here and there, what are you? You are a saint of God who is struggling and learning and growing and being sanctified into his image. And along the way, you're going to make some mistakes. And this needs to be a place where we help people who make mistakes. I'm a work in progress now, I will tell you there 's a bumper sticker that I really don 't like, and you may have it i didn 't go around looking on the parking lot so if it's if it 's on your bumper sticker, i didn 't know, but I pray your bumper will fall off <laughs> i 'm not perfect, just forgiven that 's a cop out. It would better to be it'd be 'd it'd be better to say. I'm not perfect, I've been forgiven, and I'm striving toward perfection. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a better description of who we are. I'm not perfect. I have been forgiven. And because of that, I'm trying to be more like Jesus every day, and I'm going to stumble. And if you ever get to the place that you think you're beyond stumbling, the Bible says, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Because our Perfection isn't measured by our performance, but by letting the life of God flow through us and change us. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now so foolish that you think you can be made perfect by the flesh? Even Peter stumbled in his dealing with the Gentiles. We are all broken, and we need to admit that. Now, I am not as broken as I once was, but I still have some places where I make mistakes. I have had it said to me, (laughs) you're a pastor, I can't believe you would do that. You ain't seen nothing yet, honey. You hit me on a bad day. Is anyone hearing me right now? Come on, I'm just trying to be honest. The rest of you saints, I just want you to know your halos are tarnished. <laughs> I don't pretend to have it all figured out or to do everything right. I'm just telling you that we're all broken and we're dealing with our brokenness. Number two, brokenness, here's what we have to wrestle with. Brokenness is not hypocrisy. All hypocrites are broken, but not all broken people are hypocrites. It's like all cows are animals, but all animals aren't cows. How many understand the distinction? (laughs) This is way more fun than I thought it was going to be. It's an important distinction to be made. It's common to call every Christian who fails a hypocrite. Well, they're a hypocrite. They claim to be a Christian and they did this. They're a hypocrite. They claim to love Jesus and they behaved in this way. They're a hypocrite. They go to church. Now, it's possible that they might be a hypocrite, but they might also be a broken person headed towards health. And I think it's fair to say to someone, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm a person who's struggling to follow Jesus. Because I want to define for you what a hypocrite really is. Do you want a definition of a hypocrite? Let's go to the book of Matthew, and Matthew talks to the Jews, and Jesus talks more about hypocrisy, or is recorded in Matthew's gospel, talking about hypocrisy more than any of the other gospels. So this is going to take a while. How many are okay if I stop when I'm finished? That's okay as long as I stop on time, right? So there are 12 marks of hypocrisy. They kind of overlap. And I want to do this quickly. And you have it in your notes if you did that online or or downloaded them. But 12 marks of hypocrisy. This is what Jesus said hypocrisy looks like. Number one. Hypocrites turn spiritual disciplines into a public performance. Matthew chapter six, verse two, when you give to the needy, you announce it on the streets. Verse five, when you pray, you pray in public so people will see how spiritual you are. Verse 16, when you fast, you do it so people will see you. They turn spiritual disciplines into public performance. Number two, hypocrites use criticism of others to justify themselves. Matthew chapter seven, verse five, Five, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to see the speck in your brother's eye. They justify their plank when they can see a speck in someone else's eye. Number three, hypocrites turn worship into a self-serving expression. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, you hypocr- are you hypocrites? Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, and he talks about how you how you worship with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And what is the illustration he uses? There was a principle in Judaism where they could take part of what they earned or made value and give it to the church and it was identified as separated for a purpose. And what they were doing, because they didn't want to take care of their parents and honor them so that they wouldn't have to, they would take a large amount and identify it as sacred and then say, well, we don't have enough money to help you. When you use your giving to justify your own purposes, that's hypocrisy. Hypocrites, number four, feign ignorance to deflect accountability. Matthew 16, 3. In the morning, you say, today it'll be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. He's saying, you're pretending to be ignorant. I know that you can discern. You do it all the time. And you're pretending to be ignorant so that you don't have to be accountable. Number five, hypocrites use questions to obscure the truth. Jesus, knowing their evil intent, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? There are honest questions and there are hypocrites hypocritical questions, and I often will say to someone who asks me a question, do you want the answer? Don't ask me a question that you don't want the answer to, because hypocrites use questions in order to obscure the truth. Number six, hypocrites use faith to destroy faith. Pharisees, teacher of the law, hypocrites, you shut the kingdom of God in men's faces you yourselves do not enter and you will not let others enter who are trying to. So when we use our religious traditions to control people so that they can't get into the kingdom of God and a real relationship with Jesus, that's hypocrisy. There are church structures today that use religious tradition to block people from a real experience. An example of that would be the Catholic Church when the when the Bible was chained to the pulpit and the common man wasn't given access. We use religious traditions to keep people um, from coming to faith. Now in the Catholic Church, that's not true today, and the Reformation brought some changes, and um, the Vatican Council brought some changes, but what I'm saying to you is, it's possible to use religion to keep people from finding God. Hypocrites hide their self-serving agendas behind extravagant religious expressions. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, make long prayers. Therefore, you will see the greater condemnation. When you use religion to hide your self-serving agenda. I had a friend who was a car salesman, and the worst customer he ever had was one who would come in and say... I'm a Christian and you're a Christian. This will be a great uh, business deal for us. Normally, that meant that they were expecting something free. And his response was always this. I am a Christian and you are a Christian, but that car ain't a Christian. (laughs) Remember that when you drive away. Number eight... Hypocrites seek to convert disciples to their traditions. You travel over land and sea to make a single convert. When he becomes one, you make him twice as son of hell as you are. When our traditions become more important than faith when our expressions become more important than our relationship when how we do things becomes more important we can convert people to the assemblies of god but how many know it's not as important to convert someone to the assemblies of god it's important that we convert people to the son of god our our denomination can become more important than our faith Hypocrites create a convenient hierarchy of truth. Woe to you, scribes, teachers of the law. You give a tenth of spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's as though if I come to church, I can live how I want. We create a hierarchy of truth. It's important to come to church, but I can cheat on my taxes because I go to church. Number 10. Hypocrites emphasize external expression over internal reality. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You're a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. In the same way, you appear as people to be righteous, but in this side, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That we justify our practice as giving us relationship to God. Your Sunday school pen and your tithing record won't get you into heaven. And if you're justifying your relationship with God based on your performance, you're a hypocrite. Because our performance should come out of our relationship with God. Number 11, hypocrites are self-excusing and self-exalting. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous, and then you go on to say, had we been there in that day, we wouldn't have behaved that way. We're better than others. Number 12, hypocrites use their liberty to put others in bondage. And it talks about the master of the house that begins to beat his servant. We use it to oppress and control. Now I go through all those 12 and you will be tested. You can't leave the service until you can repeat six of those back to me. No, I don't expect you to remember any of those. But I hope that you feel the weight of it in this way. There are two things that weave their way through all of those expressions of hypocrisy. You know what they are? Deceit, intentional deceit, and manipulation. Hypocrites are marked by intentional deceit and manipulation. It's one thing for me to make a mistake. It's another thing for me to justify my mistake. It's one thing for me to be uh, uh, misinformed. It's another thing to try to make sure I deceive you with misinformation. How many are hearing me right now? It's marked by manipulation and deceit. So let me give you a great example of what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is a man pretending to be a woman and running in women's track meets. You want hypocrisy? There it is. That man knows he's not a woman. I don't care what surgery he's done, he will biologically, genetically test as a male. And you can't tell me that it's okay to change your gender from male to female so that you can win ribbons and medals and trophies. It's when you know you're not something that you're pretending to be. It's not okay to pretend that you're African American when you're not, so that you can lead an organization. Is anybody hearing me now? You want hypocrisy? Look all around, because the word hypocrite really means an actor. One who wears a mask and pretends to be someone. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any acting of any sort. How many of you have ever acted in a church play or something of that sort? And how many of you know that when you're playing the role, you weren't really that person? I played a role in a musical and uh, I played a rich man whose marriage was falling apart, and an alcoholic who comes to Christ. I um, played that role. Because I, in, the, in, the, in the play, I was a wealthy man. What if I believed I was that character? And started writing checks and signed it by his name, writing for hundreds of thousands of dollars because it's in the bank. That's a hypocrite, unless I really think I am him. And that's mental illness. So I get when there's a gender um, dysfunction where people struggle with who they are, And feel like who they are on the inside doesn't match who their body is. But that's a mental illness. But when you're pretending to be something that you know you're not. A guy pretends to be a a Christian because he wants to date a Christian girl. We used to talk about kids at camp. We needed to know for sure if they went to the altar to get salvation or Sal Johnson. when you're pretending. When you're pretending something, now come on, help me now, when you're pretending something that you know isn't true. We have a new rule that had to be written in the assemblies of God. You cannot claim to be a doctor, have a doctoral degree, unless you have it from a a, a, a reputable institution that matches the accreditation of our schools. So I can write to some overseas company, pay them money, and get a doctorate. And if I do that, I know I didn't earn it. And they would say that is hypocrisy, and you're going to lose your credentials. Are you getting what I'm saying? I want to drive that home. The difference between being broken and being a hypocrite is that a hypocrite is trying to pretend to be something that they know that they're not. So when I make a mistake, am I a hypocrite? No. Because I know I made a mistake. All hypocrites are broken but not all broken people are hypocrites. Is there anyone with me this morning? So I want to redefine that term so we don't throw it around unnecessarily or inappropriately. I'm broken but not a hypocrite. Hypocrisy, number three, has no place in the life of the believer. And I'm going to bring this together in a way that I believe will be helpful. Hypocrisy has no place in the believer's life. It must be rooted out if you're here this morning playing a game, you're a pretender, we need to root you out. Now if you're broken, we wanna walk with you. And the difference is which way are you facing? The Bible says in James chapter 3 that the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The wisdom that comes from above does not pretend or play games. And then Peter tells us in chapter 2 that we are to lay aside. If you lay aside something, it means you have something you have to get rid of. I don't have to lay aside what I don't have. Lay aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. So pretenders need to be dealt with, need to be addressed. Does that happen in churches? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hypocrites come to church, and I wish they would. Where do you want them to be? I want them to be somewhere where they're confronted with their pretense, with the potential of their life being changed. So, all that's my introduction. (laughs) My message is less than an hour long. So here's what I want you to get. You Ready? This is what all that was said for. Number one, how are we going to address the accusations of hypocrisy? Number one, we must own our mistakes. If we create an atmosphere that we admit when we've done something wrong, which is really, really hard for you. Is it hard for you? Oh, that's why I said that, because I know how hard it is. Nobody likes to be wrong, right? I better land this plane soon or people are gonna start parachuting out. And it's because most of the time, We're not trying to be wrong. It's a reaction. It's a weakness. It's a stumble. And we don't want to be wrong. We don't want to do the wrong thing. If you want to do the wrong thing, you're a sociopath, maybe a psychopath. But there's something wrong with you. And so when we're confronted that we made a mistake, the hardest thing in the world for many of us to do is say, yes, I blew it. I made a mistake. It's hard for us to be in that place because... We don't want to make mistakes. Not wanting to make a mistake is a good thing. Refusing to admit your st- mistakes is another. We need to own them. This needs to be a place where we put aside the pretense of perfection. I don't always get it right. I don't always do it right. I, and you don't always do it right. So can we just help one another? That's why James says, watch, confess your faults one to another. Do you know what happens if we're confessing our faults to one another? We get rid of this artificial, perfect, Christian appearance that the world reacts to. And when we are all broken and we understand that, we're going to move toward health but when you confess your faults one for to another, what do you do next? Then pray for one another and you will be healed. That's the progression of development. Confess your faults, pray for one another and you will be healed because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'm convinced that God cannot move in an environment of pretense he will only move in an environment of authenticity the time has come the judgment must begin at the house of God that we recognize we're growing we have to own our mistakes (laughs) you know what they say people that know think they know everything are a huge annoyance to those of us who do Can we quit pretending? I um, had this discussion. I've shared this before, but I think it captures, captures it. I've, I've been doing this for a couple days now. And you can't judge the behavior of believers 20 years ago by the standard of practice today. What they did 20 years ago wasn't hypocrisy. It's what fit in that standard. And I remember a time, I've shared this more than once, but I remember a time when you could not be a member of an Assemblies of God church and go to movies. Anybody old enough to remember that? A few? Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And so we had a discussion at a board meeting about changing that. So I asked each of the board members, Do you go to movies? No, 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 no. So then I said, do your kids go? Uh, We don't go. Because right now, I need to go through a membership role based on what you just said, unwilling to change that, and dismiss the membership of your children. How many recognize that's a problem? Then I said, how many of you rent movies? We actually rented them back in the day? Does anybody remember when we rented those, every one of them rented movies, and I said, do you see how hypocritical that is? You're pretending you don't go, you just hide it in your house. And I'm more concerned about what you watch when no one sees you than what you watch when you go into the theater. So I'm gonna suggest we make this change to our bylaws. You can go to as many movies as you want as long as you get rid of your VCR, DVD player, whatever it was at the time and you don't watch any movies inside your house. No, that wasn't gonna pass either. The point being, let's just own our weaknesses. Let's quit pretending something that isn't true I think that will create an environment that people will respond to. We must own our mistakes. Number number two, we must accept that others will make mistakes. Because you know what the real issue is? When someone says, I quit going to church because someone was a hypocrite. I looked up to them and they let me down. They're not rejecting church because that person was a hypocrite. They're rejecting church because that person hurt them. This is an issue of pain, not of standard. They looked up to someone that let them down. Let's take that first objections of Travis. When he said he went to a pastor, asked him about lust, and the pastor had an affair. Was that hypocrisy? If he was trying to live a double life, if he was married and pretending that he wasn't having an affair or if he had two wives and two lifestyles, that's hypocrisy. But this is a man who fell. That doesn't make his advice wrong. It just means he knew the answer. He hadn't found a way to get there yet. That's different than hypocrisy. If he owned it, it's not hypocrisy. Are you walking with me right now? And I think we have to be honest about that. What about The pastor who said, just believe. Obviously, he didn't have a background of apologetics. He didn't know how to defend the faith. And for him, believing was enough. That doesn't make him a failure, doesn't make him a hypocrite. It means he needed to grow. And what about the church that cut off her health insurance? Um, Should that have been done? I don't know. I wasn't there. I would say to you that sounds terrible, but the fact that there are atheists who are nicer than Christians, you know, doesn't mean anything. If they had tried to raise funds or do something in its place, it's not necessarily hypocritical. It's just evil. (laughs) It's just mean. It's callous. Are you walking with me? What I'm saying to you is, We need to recognize, the world needs to recognize, and we need to be honest about it, that people will make mistakes and they wound us. And we have to deal with that injustice that was done against us and create an atmosphere where that is addressed and responded to. It is unjust to reject faith because of a person's mistakes. Because the reality is, Pastor, you let me down, and I'm quitting the church. Well, you should. You should. Because I didn't die on the cross for you. I knelt at the same cross you knelt at. I struggled like you struggle. And if you let someone else be the reason you're in the kingdom and someone else be a reason that you're doing religious things, you've not settled your faith in Jesus. Let every man be a liar, but God is still true. It's like saying, I will never drive a Ford again because a 16-year-old had a wreck in one. Maybe the 16-year-old was an idiot. But the problem's not the vehicle. Come on, is anyone hearing me right now? Yeah. I think we have to have that conversation. Where is your faith? Where is your confidence? Don't put it in an individual because individuals are free. Frail. They will make mistakes. They will disappoint you. Where is our confidence? We need to keep pointing. I'm not the standard. You're not the standard. We're all chasing the standard. We're all pressing toward the mark. And that mark is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, when you see him, he is altogether lovely. When you see him, he is without flaw. When you see him, he will always walk by your side. And I can make one guarantee to you there's only one person on the entire planet that will not let you down and his name is Jesus let's quit exalting human performance and start exalting the Lord Jesus Christ he's what it's all about we're looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith yes wounded people have walked away from the church and they've blamed hypocrisy and I don't ever want to be the cause of someone walking away. And I want to be the first one. And this this is sometimes difficult. But I can't ever apologize for the message. But I can apologize for the method. if what I've said is true and I'm standing on truth that does not give me an excuse to be mean that doesn't free me to be ugly when I hear Christians say hateful things about homosexuals it tells me that they don't know Jesus we don't have a right to be hateful Jesus died on the cross for all sinners. Is there anyone in the house right now? I feel like everybody left. Hold your hand up if you're still here. (laughs) The thrust has to be that we will own our mistakes when we overreact, when we react wrongly. I remember we were so against abortion that that we blew up abortion clinics. That's a sin when you harm and damage the lives of others. We've got to be the first one to apologize. If I've said something that was mean, I I wanna be the first one to say, hey man, I'm sorry that the way I said that offended you. Can you forgive me and let's start over? Let's regroup here. I'm sorry I didn't do what I said I would do. I'm sorry that I haven't paid back what I said I would pay. I'm sorry that you saw me in that environment and I compromised my faith. What might happen if we were to develop that kind of authenticity? You wouldn't have people leaving because of hypocrisy. You'd have them join you walking to the cross. (laughs) Well, shout now somebody. Can you apologize? In fact, let me just ask you, as long as you're just looking at me, I might as well enjoy myself because you're not. When was the last time you apologized for anything? If it's been a while, it's because you are a self-serving, self-justifying hypocrite when you're too big to apologize. Come on, someone shout now. I'm just saying to you, let's be honest. Let's create an environment where it's okay. And you know why we can't apologize? Because we know what people will make us pay if we do. We're going to rub our nose in it. They're going to treat us like garbage, and they're going to walk away. What if we confessed our faults one to another and prayed for one another so that we would be healed? Because the goal is wholeness. It's wholeness. We've got to create an environment. Because people aren't leaving because of hypocrites. People are leaving because they've been hurt. And we need to be the healing balm of the Holy Spirit. We need to emphasize the Holy Spirit's work in us. So we denounce any and all hypocrisy as much as we would denounce a false prophet. I was asked to do some research about some members of the new apostolic reformation, and when you prophesy something that isn't true, even if it's about the royal family, that needs to be denounced. And that false prophet needs to be denounced. But we also need to denounce hypocrisy, pretenders. If you're unwilling to resolve the pain you have caused, you may very well be a hypocrite, And to exvangelicals, to those who are accusing the church of hypocrisy, if you're one of those on the fringe watching online, yeah, the church is full of hypocrites. I do have something to say to you. Exvangelical, your rejection of faith because of the failures of man are a smokescreen of your own hypocrisy. Because Christian faith isn't about performance. It's about whether it's true or it's not true. So quit hiding behind the accusation of hypocrites because you're also one. And let's together kneel at the foot of the cross. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stacy, if you'd join me on the platform. The Bible says in Numbers twenty three nineteen God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No, none of that is true. So I'm going to wrap it together this way. There are some people, Christian, I would encourage you to not be vulnerable to. I'm not advocating that we just start unloading our problems to everyone who wants to listen. We had a family in the church, we had to deal with a number of problems, unpacked a number of of their um, dark secrets, and they came to me one day and said, you know all the skeletons in our closet, we wanna know the skeletons in your closet. That's not a safe place. Idle curiosity is not a safe place. But when you're in relationship with someone or you've wounded someone, then you need to enter into interaction to repair that. And let's not be pretenders. I hope I have never given the impression that I am the model you should pursue. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ because he's the leader. And I can tell you, if you walk with me, we'll get to him because I'm headed that direction. But I'll pick you up and you're gonna need to pick me up from time to time. And then let's build an environment of authenticity that loves people and say, yes, i am fallen like you are. But here's what I know. This is what I used to be. And I'm not that anymore. And what you see today is not who I'll be tomorrow because I'm pursuing the one that I love and his name is Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm not what I used to be but I'm not what I'm going to be. Don't be a pretender, let's stand together. If there's somewhere that you're pretending or you're accusing others of being a hypocrite, could you search your own heart for a few minutes this morning? Could you take just a minute to say, Jesus, am I authentic or am I a hypocrite? Am I pretending to be something I'm not? And then if you're in that place, God help us to develop a Brian Church a place of authenticity where in our connect groups, people pray together and strengthen one another because there's a level of authenticity and we'll be able to reach a world that's in need. Hypocrisy isn't the problem, hurting is. Hurt people hurt people, let's not be that. Let's spend a little time with God this morning.
1: A thousand times I've failed Still your mercy remains Should I stumble again Still I'm calm
0: us to recognize the importance of integrity and honesty before you that we would not be pretending in your presence we would not be pretending before you but we'll be honest and open and create an environment where we can strengthen the feeble knees and lift up the hands that hang down we ask that in your name amen 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 if you love Jesus this morning let me hear your hands My goal this morning is to liberate you, to be honest, and to give you an answer to the charge of hypocrisy. We're all on a journey and we're all pursuing Jesus, amen? So we don't have to pretend anymore. We can be real, amen. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. I will tell you that August was a rather tough month, but appreciate those of you that are gonna step up and help us catch up. So appreciate your faithful giving, whether it's online or here or in the mail, however you do that, really, really do appreciate that. And I wanna strongly encourage you to get in a connect group where people can love on you and we can strengthen one another together, amen? God bless you, shake someone's hand and uh, be a blessing.